Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Proactive IT Podcast. This is episode two. talk about the latest in tech, cyber news, compliance, and more. We also bring you real-world examples to learn from so that you can better protect your business and identity. As I mentioned earlier, this is episode two. Today's topics, the latest in IT and cybersecurity news, is Dropbox HIPAA compliant? And uh, we'll talk about G Suite as well since I mentioned that last week. Uh, And finally, Holiday Hackers Loom. It is November 1st, 2019. Halloween was yesterday. That means today the holiday holiday season starts. People start shopping. Um, <clears throat> people start taking days off from work. We start operating on, on skeleton crews on some days. And some of our biggest compromises are when we are at our most relaxed and when we are about to start a holiday. Um, <clears throat> so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and it was a uh, just to, to just to bring that point home, and I know obviously I'll talk about it more later in the episode. Bed Bath and Beyond has been compromised. I don't know the details, but I did see that they were compromised a couple of days ago. This podcast is brought to you by Nawash Tech. We are a HIPAA compliant, client focused, proactive IT consultant located in Central Connecticut. You can find us at nawajtech.com. That's N W A J Tech. Dot com. So let's start with our Patch Tuesday update for the month of October. Since it is November 1st, we won't talk November yet. There hasn't been any Tuesdays in November. Um, not a whole lot more to report from last week. Uh, as I mentioned, there is a, for critical um, updates, there is an Azure update for, for remote code execution vulnerability. There is um, on Windows 10. There is a Chakra, Chakra, Chakra scripting engine memory corruption vulnerability. Um, all, all these are scripting the Microsoft scripting engine, um, Microsoft XML remote code execution vulnerability, VB script remote code execution vulnerability, um, and I think oh no here's another one. Latest servering servicing stack updates and another remote desktop client remote code execution, which I mentioned last week as well. So, nothing new to report this week as far as updates, patch Tuesday updates. Uh, there is a flash vulnerability, and I think I may have mentioned that last week, but again, if you're still using flash, um, you, you need to reconsider that because. Flash has been vulnerable for years, and uh, I don't believe you can even create Flash files anymore, or at least Adobe doesn't offer um, the ability to create new Flash material. Maybe you have an older version of Adobe. um, I don't remember what the program was called, Shockwave or Adobe Flash, and so you're using that, uh, but Flash just should not be used anymore. Uh, and I know there's still some websites out there that use it, but you really should not be using it. I think even the browsers are kind of like trying to get rid of it. So I know when you go to a website that has a Flash player on it, uh, the, you know, the major browsers will alert you to that. So just get rid of Flash. There's so many other ways. HTML5 makes everything so much better. Uh, all right. So cybersecurity news. We've got a, a few things to talk about today. Um, The first one just reported two days ago uh, by Krebs. Um, Network solutions, register.com and web.com have been breached. Um, They have determined a third party gained unauthorized access to a limited number of computer systems. And as a result, account information may have been um, accessed. They don't believe credit card information was compromised during this incident, but... uh, they may have some other account information, so that's important. They are they are sending messages to all of their users to change the passwords, their p- account passwords. Uh, I don't have any personal 
personally or business have anything on any of those um, registrars? Those are domain registrars. So most of you are probably familiar with GoDaddy. A lot of you might be familiar with Network Solutions, but there's also register.com and web.com. And there's other registrars out there. But those three have been compromised and account details may have been leaked, um, including passwords. So they are recommending that everybody change their password. And of course, you should be changing your password every now and again anyway. So network solutions, registrar.com, not registrar, sorry, register.com and web.com have all been compromised. This intrusion, they, um, they found it in August. So I'm not sure why it took two months to report it. Maybe they wanted to make sure they got it out first, but they found it in August. So again, if you have an account at register.com, web.com or network solutions, change your password immediately. Uh, in HIPAA news, the OCR has imposed a $2.15 million uh, penalty against Jackson Health Systems. Now, this this compromise, this uh, HIPAA violation, these HIPAA violations, these go back a few years. So, Office of Civil Rights, that's the OCR, you'll hear that referenced quite a bit in the HIPAA world, was... Um, has imposed a civil money penalty of $2.154 million against Jackson Health Systems for violations of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, so HIPAA for short, okay? And uh, breach notification rules between 2013 and 2016. So as you, as you can gather there, the problems began in 2013, so six years ago and um, continued until 2016. So it took them three years to negotiate this penalty. Um, <clears throat> Jackson Health Systems provides health services to approximately 650,000 patients annually and employs about 12,000 individuals. So let's give some details of the, uh, the violations here. So August 22nd, 2013, Jackson submitted a breach report to OCR stating that its health information management department had lost paper records containing the protected health information of 756 patients in January. So it took them seven months to report, um, which is a violation in itself. You're supposed to report within, within a certain time frame. Internal investigation determined that an additional three boxes of patient records were also lost in December 2012. However, Jackson did not report the additional loss of the increased number of individuals, which turns out to be 1,436 individuals. Until they didn't report that until June 7th, 2016. So, uh, three and a half years later. <clears throat> um, that's a big deal. First of all, why are we using paper records? This is why I tell people all the time whenever I speak or um, network, if I'm speaking to a group, I will tell them if you're in a um, doctor's office, any any healthcare practice, any healthcare practice, so dental, chiropractic, anything, where you get into the lobby and this happens a lot more than it should, um, and they give you a clipboard with some papers to fill out. And one of those papers always says, you know, you understand our HIPAA violation sign here since stating that we've, we've reviewed our HIPAA policy. Um, that's a, that, that's a HIPAA violation waiting to happen because now you give those papers back and you don't know what they've done with those papers. Um, they probably entered it into their electronic health records but how did they dispose of those those paper documents? Did they toss them? And you know, and they'll ask you to update these papers every few months. You come if you come back, you know, six to twelve months later, they're going to say we need an update. Even if nothing's changed, they want a new a new document stating all of the same things again. Uh, in July 2015. OCR initiated an investigation following a media report that disclosed the five, which is per personal health information, of a Jackson Health Services patient. A reporter had shared a photograph of a Jackson operating room screen containing the patient's medical information on social media. So they shared a, a picture on social media that contained uh, the phi of a patient, the computer screen of, of the phi of the operating room. In February 19th, 
2016, Jackson submitted a breach report to OCR reporting that an employee had been selling patient file. That's even scarier. The employee had inappropriately accessed over 24,000 patients' records since 2011. Now, I don't know if uh, if it says it here. Let's see. Um, yeah, it doesn't say here if that's the same reason that the paper um, documents were, were stolen or missing. Uh, and then finally it says, so Jackson waived its right to a hearing, which is probably smart and did not contest the findings. Um, probably smart. It's probably better to do that than, than have your, your healthcare firm, your healthcare practice in the news even more because you decided to go to battle with OCR. Um, and then finally OCR is, is OCR's investigation revealed a HIPAA compliance program that had been in disarray for a number of years. So this is a hospital system with 12,000 employees, meaning they have high C-level executives. They have, you know, they probably have a compliance team. They have HR, they have IT, they have all of the stuff. And their HIPAA compliance program is in a state of disarray. I, I don't understand it, but I get it if, you know, a 10 employee practice it doesn't really have a HIPAA compliance program in play but a major hospital system like this has a HIPAA compliance program in disarray and that's just to show you that's just to illustrate the the fact to bring home the fact that you um, if a, a large hospital system like that can't maintain it and understand it and and follow through with it um, the way they should, given all the resources they probably have, then what does a smaller health practice, healthcare practice, what do they have? The the chances are if it's a 10-employee practice, they don't have a dedicated compliance person. They don't have a dedicated HR person. And that's where you need to... um, contract out you need to to bring somebody in and make sure that it's done the way it's supposed to be done to protect your practice so um jackson healthcare systems with a 2.15 million dollar fine from violations between 2013 and 2016 and i'll i'll link back to this in the show notes so the show notes i'm still i'm still putting together from last week and this week so uh be patient with me. All right. The next piece of news. Um, Microsoft and NIST. This is good news. Microsoft and NIST are going to collaborate on patch management, developing a practice guide. This is great because um, Microsoft's recent patching has been a little bit less than great, uh, a little bit less than stellar. I um, Even I have a laptop in my uh my business that's been suffering it's been constantly rebooting and i have to fix it and then um, disable the patching the updates until i can figure out either how to permanently fix it or how microsoft will fix it and there's been a lot of reports of um, blue screening and random reboots i think some printer issues with the most most recent rounds of updates in the last month month and a half maybe um so Microsoft and NIST, which um, is the National Cybersecurity Center. No, I'm sorry. NIST is the National Institute of Standards, which um, basically they give you the framework for cybersecurity and, and other um, compliance things that tie into IT. So they're going to collaborate with Microsoft and uh, come up with a Patch Tuesday plan. This is actually really good news, in my opinion. I think uh, some collaboration is needed. Collaboration is needed. You know, do I? Does my business handle every aspect of IT security and uh, compliance? No, we don't. Um, we manage it. We might have a vendor that that offers the tools we need to uh, thoroughly make thoroughly ensure that you are HIPAA compliant or you are secure. Um, so we collaborate and collaboration is important. The, the hackers of the world, the unethical hackers, the black hat hackers, 
they're collaborating. They they so we need to do the same to be able to combat that issue going forward. Microsoft to collaborate with NIST to develop a patch management and a practice guide. So that's awesome news. The city of Johannesburg has been hit. Johannesburg uh, in Africa, South Africa, has been hit for a second time with ransomware. Um, this was reported on October 30th. And uh, by the way, this time they're refusing to pay the ransom. So the first time they paid, uh, the second time they're refusing to pay. So the ransom is four Bitcoins. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually is. And so based on the time of this article, the four Bitcoins would have been about $30,000. So, you know, compared to the the Florida breaches where one municipality paid $460,000, it doesn't seem like a lot. But if it keeps happening, and this is in a short period of time, second time in several months is what's being reported. Uh, so in July, Johannesburg City Power, which is owned by the city itself, left some residents without electricity for days because they were hit with ransomware. And then... In October, the comp, um, same, the same Johannesburg's City Power reported on their Twitter account that they detected a network breach, which resulted in authorized access to its information system. So they immediately shut down access to its online services, including the city's website, e-services, and SAP-based, so, uh, so CRM billing system. Um, We also compromised all passwords and sensitive data. So, I'm sorry, they say the group that did the hack reported that they compromised passwords and sensitive data. The group is called Shadow Kill Hackers. They claimed responsibility. The group apparently sent the city a ransom note warning that the hackers had control of everything in the city. Um, and they posted on, on Twitter that they had access to the Active Directory server. Um, they're refusing to pay the ransom, so the city of Johannesburg is not going to pay the ransom. And let's see if it says here what their plan will be. Um, yeah, so it doesn't sound like they have, yeah, they don't have a backup. So <laughs> I'd say it all the time if you follow Nawaj Tech on social media, back it up. Business continuity now, you know, thirty thousand dollars. I don't know what how long it would have taken them to spend thirty thousand dollars with business continuity, but it, it certainly would have taken a little, a little while, uh, depending on what they needed to back up. But if they have just one Active Directory server, which in itself is silly, um, that wouldn't have been expensive to back up at all. Redundancy, you could add a local backup and a cloud based backup, you could have been back up and running within minutes. Um, and of course, you know, there's now they're not paying the ransom, so they don't have a backup to restore from. They're not paying the ransom. And so they're trying to figure out how to restore without a backup and without paying the ransom. They should have learned their, their lesson in July. They didn't apparently. And so now they're, they're also losing, uh, productivity the, and, um, they're losing, you know, they're not going to be able to charge for the days that those services are not available. They're going to have to, to reimburse their their customers. So this is, um, you know, either way is going to cost them some money, probably more than 30000 the way they're handling it. Now, with that being said, I agree, don't pay the ransom because as you could see, you don't, if you pay the ransom, they're just going to do it again. Okay, so don't pay the ransom. Um and hopefully you do have a business continuity plan. And if you don't, then get one now, immediately. And hooking up an external hard drive to your laptop and transferring files every now and again is not, I, I know a CPA that did this. I know a lawyer that did this. That is not a backup plan. That is a disaster waiting to happen. So uh, get a real business continuity plan. I wouldn't even call it backup. Let's call it business continuity and uh, be done with it.
Uh, let's see, last piece of news I have for you today. Chinese, this, I just got the alert for this this morning. This is just, I'm only sharing this because it's a little scary, actually. Chinese hackers compromise telecom servers to spy on, on SMS messages. Um, a, they used a backdoor malware called MessageTap. Now, this is China, so I'm sure they're, they're targeting the people that are, um, that are protesting in China. At least I hope that's the plan. But the fact that this can happen is scary. So they are able to monitor text messaging using message tap. They can see the text messages back and forth. Now, imagine you send text messages to your husband or wife, to a coworker, um, to uh, you know one of your delegates or something with credit card information or social security information or you know, any, any, um, sensitive information, you send images of, of yourself or your, uh, you know, your children or, um, important documents, any of these things sent in text messaging. And now somebody's able to see all these messages. And it's not to say that we didn't already know that this could happen because we know we all aware that this can happen, but it has happened now. It's happened in China. And who's to say it doesn't happen here in the U.S.? That's uh, pretty scary stuff because, you know, I, we, I know I personally avoid at all costs sending anything. I won't even send passwords and in, in user, which I didn't even mention, you know, user, user logins with passwords. That doesn't go through text message or email. Never. I don't know who's paying attention, even though email's encrypted and you can encrypt your text messaging. You could use WhatsApp. You can. There's lots of ways to mitigate the risk, but there's still the risk. So I don't ever send passwords, uh, social security numbers, credit card information, anything like that through text message or email. You never know who's figured a way in. Uh, even if it's WhatsApp, and, I, and there was uh, there was something about WhatsApp a few months ago. I don't remember the details, and I'm pretty sure it's been resolved. Keep in mind, Facebook owns WhatsApp now, so you don't know what the risk is by using WhatsApp, even WhatsApp, which is supposed to be end-to-end -end encrypted messaging, and nobody's supposed to be able to see it. Um, so just be careful with that. Uh, and I, it's also, oh, again, all these links will be on the show notes. I'll get them. I'll get that up ASAP. Uh, all right. So we've gone through the patch Tuesday updates. We've gone through the, um, <clears throat> cybersecurity news. Let's talk about is Dropbox HIPAA compliant. This is, I did not write about this yet. Um, and I only bring it up because it's come up in the last couple of weeks, Dropbox, Google drive. Uh, and I'm going to qualify Google Drive with G Suite and Dropbox not using the free version, but a, the business version. Are they HIPAA compliant? So the short answer is yes. The long answer is there's a lot of work that you need to do to make sure that it is HIPAA compliant for your practice. So what does that mean? For starters, you have to have a business associate agreement, a BAA, with any vendor software Um third-party vendor that you use, you know, IT, cleaning company, HVAC company, um, any any vendor that does business with you that could potentially access healthcare records needs a BAA in place. Um, so, for example, as an MSP, I would need a BAA for any healthcare practice, and that includes, again, dentists, um, chiropractors, anybody that I do business with, I would need a BAA in place to work with them. Now, I use um, remote management software. I use um, a few other tools, Office 365, and I do have some clients on G Suite. So I need to have a BAA in place for that business um, with those vendors as well the business continuity software, the security software, all of those things need a BAA. Uh, and then to drive that point even further, I now uh, 
would have to have cyber liability to cover my business in the event that that healthcare practice is breached. So if the healthcare practice gets breached for a hundred records, let's say, and uh, I am their IT vendor, and I so I should have a BAA. If I don't have cyber liability insurance, the healthcare practice is on the hook. Uh, but then they can turn the insurance company can turn around and sue me, and then I'd be out of business. This actually happened with an MSP in, um, I think it was in Oregon, and they they had like twenty two dental practices or something along those lines where they were their MSP. The 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 all the dental practices were hacked. They all had ransomware. I believe it was ransomware. And the MSP immediately shut its doors. Basically vanished, said, sent a, an email and a letter saying, you guys, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically you are out of luck and good luck finding someone to help you. Uh, they didn't have a BAA in place. So there's no, there's really no recourse. The business is gone. So unless there are um, other ways to track down the owners of the business, um, the insurance companies are going to have to pay, pay up. They won't be able to sue the owners or the MSP that that didn't follow through on best practices. Um. So that's, you know, it's pretty extensive and a lot of IT vendors don't understand that. And so when I go into a healthcare practice and I see, you know, the guy down the street fixing their server because he only charges $25 an hour, but he doesn't have a BAA. He doesn't understand the first thing about HIPAA. He doesn't even know how to spell HIPAA. This is a problem. This is a huge problem in the healthcare practice world. So something to think about. But let's go back, Dropbox and G Suite. So Dropbox and G Suite can be HIPAA compliant. And the reason it can be is uh, if you're not doing what you need to do to make sure that it's HIPAA compliant, then it's not HIPAA compliant. So what do you need to do? So first of all, you have to have the BAA. Secondly, you have to conduct uh, a security risk assessment, a privacy assessment, and an administrative assessment. And that's based on NIST guidelines. Um, so I'll link back to NIST, the NIST guidelines in the show notes. Identify any deficiencies discovered during the audit. Create a remediation plan based on the, the results of that audit. Um, you have to have policies and procedures. Um, you have to have the policy and procedures, some of them posted. You have to train and or have your your employees sign off on those policies and procedures. Um, you have to maintain the documents that they did sign off on those policies and procedures, and you have to review these things at least annually. You have to undergo everybody from the owner to the janitor needs to go through basic HIPAA training. You need to identify all your business associates, as I mentioned earlier, and they need to have a BAA in place. And um, if they don't, they should not be doing work with you. Um, you need to have reporting in place. So if something does happen, do you know who you need to report it to? Uh, do you know when you need to report it by? It, I'll give you a hint. It's not six months or three years. Uh, and do you have a process in place to manage incidents. So all of these things are necessary to ensure that you your practice is, is HIPAA compliant. And if these are done and you have a BAA from Dropbox or G Suite and you're only granting access to those that need access and you have a BAA in place with any business associates that may, you know, inadvertently or because they need to, gain access to those things, then yes, Dropbox and G Suite are HIPAA compliant. You have to be careful though, because these are cloud-based and while in some respects cloud-based is more secure than than locally based storage, you know, file servers or, or active directories, in some ways they're not. And there are ways, you know, an employee somehow, you know, they, sh they shoulder surf, grab a password, and now they have access to your Dropbox account from anywhere in the world, um, hopefully you have multi-factor authentication turned on, 
but they have access to anywhere in the world, uh, that's a breach. You know, now, now they've been breached. Um, so that's a basic, very basic HIPAA compliance checklist. Um, but you need to do that in order to make sure that you are HIPAA compliant and that if you're using Dropbox or G Suite, um, Google Drives, that it is HIPAA compliant. So the short answer is yes. The long answer is you have to make sure that you are following HIPAA compliance um, best practices. I don't like the word best practices, but it's really what it is. It's best practices. So make sure you're doing that. And then you are HIPAA compliant and you do have a business associate agreement in place with your vendors, including Dropbox and or G Suite. So hopefully that's helpful to anybody. Uh, I brought it up because I did um, last week, wasn't sure if, if Google Drives was considered or G Suite was considered HIPAA compliant. It is, G Suite is um, encrypted end to end. Now, caveat, that again, it's G Suite, not Gmail. So if you're using, you know, uh, my dental practice at gmail.com, that is not HIPAA compliant. Um, if you're using um, the free Dropbox account, they're not going to sign a business associate agreement, neither will Google for Gmail. So keep that in mind. Not expensive to use either service, so, you know, sp spend the extra few dollars and uh, make sure you're HIPAA compliant. <clears throat> All right, so I hope that answers some questions about Dropbox and G Suite. Uh, and I, I, so I'll put this out there now. If you guys have questions, feel free to email the show. You can email podcast at nuage.tech. That's podcast at nwaj.tech. By the way, if you ever want to know what nuage means, I encourage you to go on our website, nuagetech.com, nwajtech.com. If you go to the About Us section, I explain it there. Um, last piece of the show, last portion of the show, uh, blog post on nuagetech.com. It is holiday season. It is November 1st as I record this. You know, hopefully this is uploaded before the end of the weekend. Um, the show is now available, by the way, before I get there. The show is now available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. So you can pretty much listen to it anywhere. I use a, an app on my phone called Podcast Addict on one of my phones, and it, I do see it there. So it is. it seems to be available everywhere at this point pretty quick. Just uploaded the first episode last week, and it is available in a lot of locations. So go there and, and listen to it. I do plan on putting them on YouTube. I do plan on, on at least some of the shows being live at some point when I have guests. Uh, but the podcast is available many locations at the at the moment. Um, so holiday season, right? It's November first. Halloween is done. Holiday season is here. Even in Connecticut, the temperature dropped about 20 degrees between yesterday and today. So it's almost like even the weather here knows. Um, if you're familiar with Connecticut, you know that the weather's you never know with the weather. So yesterday was 70. It was 70 degrees at 11 o'clock last night. This morning, it's 40-something degrees. So um, hot, with the holiday season comes hackers. You know, you, I know what you're thinking. Hackers are... They're, they're here all year round, and you're right, they are. However, some scams and some hacks happen more during the holiday season. So we put up a blog post with um, some of the things that do happen during the holiday season and how you can combat those. Um, why do these things happen during the holiday season? Well, let's say I, I once worked at a job. I won't say where, obviously. But I worked at a job once that dealt with healthcare records. We weren't a healthcare practice, but we dealt with healthcare records. So there, of course, were HIPAA compliance trainings and so forth. All of that stuff was there. Um, the around Thanksgiving and Christmas, you would there were days where our team and many other teams were staffed lighter than normal. When that happens, and I'm not, I'm not saying that happened with, with my team or any other teams in this business, um, just that they do tend, because it's the holidays, people take vacations, people get, you know, they don't want to work the day after Thanksgiving, or they don't want to work the day before Thanksgiving. Christmas is on a Wednesday, but I'm going to take Monday and Tuesday off. These are all, all reasons that you might be thinly staffed. When that happens... 
um, the workload might become a bit much for the employees that are still working. And so shortcuts might happen. Uh, and another thing that happens is what happens between November 1st and January 1st. A lot of companies will buy your lunches. People are bringing in cookies and cakes. And so everybody's eating and a little more relaxed and having some fun, you know, decorating the office, just a bunch of different things. It's, it's a different vibe between November 1st and January 1st for sure. Okay. And um, let's just say package delivery. I won't use any package delivery names, but you know who the big ones are. And then there's smaller ones. And a certain company is now delivering themselves for themselves rather than using one of those other delivery companies that have been around for, you know, I don't know, decades. Um, you see a guy delivering packages and he's got a, you know, a huge handful of boxes or a cart full of boxes. And you're more likely to say, oh, let me let this guy in. He, you know, he's got a lot of packages. Let me help him out. Hold the door for him. He gets in and he continues to walk. And you don't see him again. You, you think you did the right thing. And it's human nature to do the right thing. It's human nature to do the nice thing, right? Especially during the holiday season. Well, that guy wasn't a package delivery guy. And now there's, there's uh, cookies and cakes in the cafeteria. You go to the cafeteria or your coworker goes to the cafeteria. Um, you guys take turns because it's, uh, you know, again, you're thinly staffed. Um, that same delivery guy who wasn't a delivery guy finds that your coworker left their computer unlocked because they thought they'd be back in, you know, 60 seconds or something and they got caught talking to someone. Um, now he's got access and that's social engineering. That's leaving your computer unlocked. Uh, well, what else happens? So during the holiday season, you're going to see an increase in email say saying there's been uh, suspicious activity on your credit card or your Macy's account. I'm just, I'm just using as an example, your PayPal account has been compromised. Click here to change your password. You're going to see an increase in those emails um, because you're you're letting your guard down. You just use your card to shop somewhere, and you're like, "Oh my God, what happened to my credit card? This isn't good. I need just I need my card to be able to make purchases for for gifts and uh, just a lot of stuff." Um, people going online at work. Cyber Monday is another big day, right? Um, going online at work to go shopping and so maybe their accounts get compromised they're going on facebook and clicking links oh big sale click here they click the link and it leads to a phishing site phishing websites have increased month over month year over year and in the millions in the millions okay um so they're out there and we because we let our guard down because it's the holidays because we're you know we're joyful we're thin staffed and we're a little more relaxed or we're, we're you know i don't know maybe you have a a sugar coma food coma sitting at your desk and you you make a mistake you click on a link on an email you go to a phishing website you do something that compromises the network all of these things increase during the holiday season so we put this blog post to discuss it along with some statistics. Um, you know, I'll just quickly glance over there. Infoblox reported in 2019. Uh, oh, I just went off it by accident. Sorry. In 2019, um, that 31% of retail IT professionals saw an increase in cyber attacks during the holiday season. So could be uh, the majority of those or phishing websites. It could be you go to a certain online retailer, their site has been compromised, and now you're installing malware on your your company's network. And that malware could be ransomware. 15% reported an increase in social media scams. Again, obviously you're gonna see this on Facebook, Twitter. By the way, kudos to Twitter on just stopping political ads altogether. I know I said I would not get political on the show, so I'm not going to go into that any further. But rather than deal with the the lies, the fake political stuff, the fake news and all of that, they're just not going to allow it at all. So good job there, Twitter. Another social media platform could take a hint. 
so 15 per- 15% reported an increase in social media scams and 11% reported an increase in ransomware incidents. Now that's not to say that they were successful. They may or may not have been, but there was an uptick in the attempts. Um, uptick, you know, it's like sales. You 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 know you you cold call. Let's say it's it's like cold calling. We'll say that you cold call 10 businesses because you expect maybe one to say, yes, I'll take that appointment. So here are the methods that attackers use to compromise companies during the holiday season. In fact, are websites, websites that are compromised. So again, uptick on retailers. Um, social engineering, like I said, the guy carrying all the boxes walks in and you help him in. The phishing campaigns, they're just, they're out there. If you don't think you are being fished you are i promise you you've gotten phishing emails you may not have realized it or your filter may have gotten it or whatever the case may be but you are getting them uh ransomware attacks and unlocked computers uh i see unlocked computers even if i walk into a healthcare practice i see unlocked computers i've sat in um a state office with an employee of the state, the employee of the state got up, walked away for a few minutes, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, and left their computer unlocked with me just sitting there. I've sat in a college campus office, administrative office, same thing. So people are tend to be more relaxed. Uh, and that's not holidays, that's any time, really. Not a good idea. Uh, 11 ways your company can prevent being hacked during the holidays. So I put this list together. I shared this during a, uh, a brief speaking engagement earlier this week. And the people loved it. So I'm going to share it with you guys. First, and probably the most important, at least in my opinion, educate yourself. And if you have employees, educate your employees. Education is the best method to prevent compromises. If your employees know and expect phishing emails, social engineering attacks, and infected websites, they will remain diligent during the holiday season. Teach employees how to recognize phishing emails and how they may be presented. Make sure they know and understand how to report incidents, even if it might seem minor, and test them. Test them. That's a big one, too. So we routinely send phishing simulation tests to our our clients to see how they respond to potential phishing attacks. And you'd be surprised. A a, A lot of the time, Maybe you wouldn't be surprised. A lot of the time, the C-level executive is the one that fails. Perform a vulnerability scan. Find out where you might need to fix issues before someone else does. And this includes your home network. You can perform a vulnerability scan for free. Uh, and I'll, I'll go into detail on that in a later date. But you can do it for free. And it's really not that hard to do. Uh, find out where your vulnerabilities are, you know, what computers aren't patched, or if you have a smart TV, is it secure? Is your Wi-Fi network secure? Um, there's just tons of things, you know, you, is somebody else on your network that you didn't know? It will show you everything that's on your network, and you can go, huh, I don't have any Android phones. Why is there an Android phone on my network? So then you have a problem, right? Do you have default username and passwords on your network? Uh, just a bunch of things. Um yeah, what was that, Equifax? I think it was Equifax. Do you have a default username and password? <laughs> um, document and remind employees of policies regarding allowing people into the office and what to do if a non-employee tries to enter. That's a difficult one, I understand, because you want to be nice. But nice, you know, nice means, hey, hang on. Let me make sure you're supposed to be here. And let me check your credentials and I'll help you in or, you know, something along those lines. There are, there are, there are policies in place for every business. You know, some businesses would, won't even allow the delivery guy in the back. They'll just say, leave the packages over there, you know, in the, in the lobby and we'll take care of it from there. Whatever your office policy is, it needs to be enforced across the board. Consider blocking social media, personal email sites like Gmail, Yahoo, AOL, uh, Outlook, Hotmail, I can't believe is still in existence, um, and shopping sites. Now, people are on the side, bo- both sides of the fence on this. I would tend to, depending on the nature of your business, err on the side of caution. 
and only allow those sites to people that absolutely need them. So if you have a social media manager, then fine, allow them access to social media, but not everybody. Um, make sure staffing levels are appropriate to meet the demands of the workload. So if you have one person on, when you should have six, you have a problem because they're going to take shortcuts and they're going to make mistakes. And that mistake could cost you, well, thousands, millions. You know, if you go back to last week's show, a compromise of a few hundred um, patients led, could lead to $250,000 in um, fines and, and costs. Don't click unsolicited links. If you must, if you must confirm something manually, type the website address into the browser window. So in other words, if you get a link, an email from PayPal saying your PayPal password needs to be reset, don't click the link in the email. No, PayPal doesn't send those emails. No reputable uh, vendor will send an email saying click here to reset your password or click here to update your information. They just won't. But even if you get one, manually go to the website address. So if you use a, your bank, let's use your bank as an example. If you get an email from your bank saying you need to update your information, manually type in your, your bank web address and log in manually and see if there's any, because they will alert you inside of your login as well. Okay. Um, that's where my uh, Think Before You Click program that I still need to develop that's where the direction that's going to head. Do not connect to guest public Wi-Fi. Another big one. Um, if you're traveling during the holidays, you maybe you're trying to catch up some work while you're in a layover at the airport. You're connected to the airport hotspot. Well, A, you don't know if it's really the airport's Wi-Fi. It could be somebody setting up a, a honeypot. And once you connect to their Wi-Fi, because, you know, I can, I can use my phone. Right, and turn on a hotspot, name it whatever I want to name it. Don't even have to give it a password. If you connect to my phone, I now have ways to, to copy data off of your laptop. Um, but, or B, if you're on that hotspot, even if you do legitimately connect to that hotel or you know, Panera Bread or, or other hotspot, airport hotspot, you are connecting with potentially hundreds of other people one of which might be trying to hack people. I sat in a hospital. My my last born was born. She was um, 10 weeks premature. And so we spent a lot of time in a hospital. And I cannot tell you, I scanned the hospital, the hospital public Wi-Fi network. And doctors were connected. Nurses were connected. And it was wide open. Um, this is This was only you know, just under, just, yeah, just about six years ago, a little more than six years ago, a little less than six years ago. Sorry. Um, so just don't do it. Use your cell phone. Almost everybody now has a smartphone with a, with, um, portable hotspot capabilities. Use that. Don't overshare on social media. Do not click on suspicious looking leaks on social media. Nobody's selling Ray-Ban glasses on, on Facebook, so just stop. Don't click it because you'll be next, all right? And uh, don't overshare. You know, you don't tell everybody you're going to Aruba for the next week with the whole family because now you just told everybody your house is open. Or don't tell everybody, you know, I'm going on vacation and your job is you're the, uh, I don't know, you're the office manager at Healthcare Practice A. And so now we can create a scam and I'll show you how easy that is to do on another episode, but you can create a scam to gain access to the, um, to the healthcare practices network. Ensure all devices have security, preferably bi biometrics. So what does that mean? Uh, lock your laptops, your smartphones. A lot of people leave their smartphones unlocked and the, the, the theory I hear all the time is, well, you know, me and my wife, we have, uh, we have, tr we don't, we, we trust each other. So if my wife wants to look at my phone, I don't care. It's not, it's not about husband and wife trust or, or, you know, whatever you make it about. It's about if somebody steals your phone, they now have access to stuff they didn't have access to before. And it's really easy to scam people if I have access to your Facebook account. And now all of a sudden, I'm messaging your friends, some of which probably coworkers, and saying, hey, uh, 
you know, I, I need money now or, um, hey, I forgot my password. Can you message it to me or, you know, things like that. So lock it. Use thumbprint or facial recognition if you can. Um, if And tablets too, by the way, iPads. If you don't have a business continuity plan, get one. If you do, test it. I have seen um, businesses of all types say, oh, yeah, we have a backup plan in place. And you go and look at it, and nothing has been backed up in three years. And so test it. Check it. Make sure it is working right. Um, and make sure it's not a backup plan, but a business continuity plan, a disaster recovery plan. They're not that expensive anymore. I know you know, years ago the disaster recovery plan would be have a warm location ready to fire up in the event your current location goes down for some reason. You don't need to do that anymore. You can create a, a, a scenario in AWS if, if it's really that important. Otherwise, there are plans out there that are very affordable that um, you could set up to where – uh, you have a virtual system up and running within minutes after something bad goes happen. And then finally, ensure your operating systems. This is Windows, Apple, Linux, Android, iOS, uh, all software, all operating systems. Your software, this includes Adobe, Microsoft browsers. And finally, your network equipment, routers and switches, um, firewalls are, are updated and patched. Um, I did run a vulnerability scan on my home network, and I have a net, uh, Netgear router. I probably shouldn't even be sharing that, but I'll share it. I have a Netgear router, um, and the Netgear router needed to be patched for a vulnerability that's out there in the wild. Um, so I patched it. Just know that if you're not updating things, you're putting your business, your personal life at risk. You, you're taking big chances, and it's not... You know, I, I don't want to be the, uh, the the doom and gloom guy, but you you have to be prepared for worst case scenario. And the best way to mitigate risk is by making sure you're educated and you're up to date. Uh, so that's on, that's on our website, nwajtech.com. That's nwajtech.com. That's also where this podcast is hosted. Uh, maybe one day I'll move it off of the site, but for now it's on our website. Um, and that's the end of the show. So happy holidays, everyone. I will, will, uh, talk to you guys again next week. So we'll, we, I record on Fridays. I don't know if I'll be recording the week of Thanksgiving, but I will, uh, of course we'll be recording every other week. Uh, until then I will, um, see you on social media, I guess. Nuagetech.com, Nuagetech on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, go follow us and uh, see what else we share. Cybersecurity Month is over, but we still share lots of tips and stuff. All right, everyone, have a great next week. Stay safe, stay secure, and uh, contact us if you have any questions. If you ha- if you have a question you want to you want me to answer on the show, feel free to send it in. Uh, you can send it to podcast at nuage.tech. or I'm sorry, nuage.tech. And if you have, uh, if you if you think you might be a good candidate to be a guest on the show, again, email podcast at nwaj.tech, N-W-A-J dot tech. Until next week, everyone. <laughs>